everybody, and thanks for joining us for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. You know you're in for a treat when you hear that music because it is time for another panel with Wizards. The recreational players of Rec Poker Nation are here to share their love of poker with you. I'd like to, speaking of love, I'd like to thank Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino and Website Amp. So here we are, just like every week, I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game. And if you want to find out about me, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, uh, where there's information about all these panelists. Panelists, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell the folks at home how they can get in touch with you. I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 on Poker Stars and Twitter. And I'm John Somsky. I'm Poker Geek MM everywhere. I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Radman50 everywhere. And just like every week, we are trying to take each other's chips in the Rec Poker home game. And just like every week, we're going to take a uh, discussion post from the Rec Poker forums and talk about it here on the show. And I'll say, just like every week, uh, any premium member at Rec Poker is welcome to come join us here on the show from time to time. If there's a forum post of your own or one of a friend's that is interesting to you, uh, bring it on the show and come talk to us about uh, what made it interesting to you. Um, I actually am going to take a post of my own today because people will get sick of me talking about uh, sizing all the time. I know that's a drum I beat quite a bit, but I do think for recreational players, um, there's a, uh, a real low-hanging fruit when it comes to the study of sizing and board texture. Um, and sizing is just one of those areas where I feel like we can all make some improvements. So this is a, a pretty unsophisticated hand. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not even going to tell you what the hero is holding. Um, so we are in position. Uh, the effective uh, stack at this point, I want to oh, let me check for sure. 3,200 chips and the blinds are 357, or sorry, 32,000. So yeah, we're up at about uh, 50 big blinds or so. Um, the original opener who's in middle position opens to two big blinds and our hero raises to eight, which is their consistent sizing for three betting in position at this stack size. And some people will, um, will three bet smaller than that. And I think that's fine if you have a consistent approach to this sort of thing. Um, but one thing you wanna get, you wanna be aware of is not letting the original opener determine the size of the pot. You know, if they're going to open to 3x or they're going to open to 2x, the worst thing you can do is play their game and uh, let your raise be tied to that. You're better off just having a uh, uh, having a particular raise size that you use in position or out of position. Um, for the hero, in this case, it's me. In this spot, I like using eight big blinds. Once uh, stacks get a little lower than than 50, I'll size down to seven or six, six and a half, something like that. But as played. Uh, we get called uh, by the original razor. So the original razor uh, calls in position, eight big blinds. The flop comes queen of hearts, six of diamonds, four of hearts. And there are 18 big blinds in the pot right now. So team, eight of hearts, six of diamonds, four of hearts. Is this a board that we're going to be c-betting uh, in position in a three bet dynamic and what kind of sizing are we looking at here in a vacuum? I would think uh, I would be see as the pre-flop aggressor, 
I would be seed bedding most of the time with this. Yeah, I think so too. Is that is that uh, one high, two low kind of flop? There's a flush draw, but the range that calls a three bet um, shouldn't interact with too much of this board in a straight way. Uh, so it's mostly going to be some flush draws, maybe some weird what, combo draws. Yeah, Rob. What what was the flop again? Uh, queen of Hearts. Let oh, me take queen a look of at Hearts. It. Okay. Yeah, Queen of Hearts, six of Spades, four of Hearts. I think. Yeah, I would definitely see bet this. And I would probably go more than half pot. I would probably go around six big blinds. Or wait a minute, the pot's 16, right? Uh, pot's 18. Yeah, it was eight plus 18. eight plus the blinds. Yeah. So I'd probably go 12 to 15. And that's with your with your entire range because your your yeah. range and then you you might have a checking range as well, but you're saying with the with the range that makes the C bet there, which would be most of the range of a three betting. I think most of my, yeah, we don't know what your hand specific hand is. So the range of hands that I was going to three bet are, are going to see bet this flop mm -hmm. at 12 to 15 big blinds. And the reason I do it at that, um, I guess that many big blinds is because there's a flush draw on the board. And so I want to price the, I want to, I want the guy to make a mistake with a flush draw. Yes. I'm representing I rep, I'm representing that I have a ace queen type hand, right? Or pocket queens or something like that, which is a definitely a three bet hand. And so I'm representing the queen obviously. Um and I'm also then going to price him out of I'm going to well, not price him out, but make it a mistake for him to call with just a flush draw. Yeah, I think that's a great way to be thinking about it um, because we often make like smaller bets out there um, with, you know, our entire range. And part of one of the questions should be like, what part of their range are we actually trying to affect with the sizing here? Like sometimes we'll get into positions where we want to make them call with a lot of their second best hands, which we think is like a big part of their range in the middle. So we might size it appropriately. Um, I really like this point of Rob's of we can't we can't decide if they're going to call or not, but we can decide if they call on a draw, they're making a mistake at the odds that we're giving them. So I like that. So so we're really trying we're really kind of in your case, Rob, you're really like focusing on that um, flush draw part of their range when it comes to. And I guess one thing and we I'll, should. Yeah. And I'm also representing a strong hand. Yeah. So that's so you're you're coming at this definitely from the point of view of. Um, this is like, this is a C bet where we're trying to get folds. It feels like, um, which, which is, I think, you know, we talk a lot about like, what's the purpose of betting and, um, uh, you know, like, like, is this a value bet or is this a bluff? And so, and it feels like, it feels like that's what you're talking about here is, is the flush draw that we want to get them to either fold or continue incorrectly. Right. Right. So. Yeah, Chris, you want to jump in there for a second? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, um, I would definitely see bet this a, a lot, this flop a lot uh, after this kind of action. I'm probably choosing a different sizing, and but I'm I'm open to the idea of, of a larger sizing, um, simply because this is a board that I think we're we're target i guess we're targeting flush draws but i'm not convinced flush draws at least good flush draws are going to be folding uh 
with the the action that we've got behind it. And um, I guess, I mean, I think we can get anything below a queen to fold here, but I think we can do it at a, at a lower price. Um, so I'm probably going to a little bit of a smaller sizing with this, um, but I can, I can be convinced that the flush draw, we really want to, to, to take the, that kind of more aggressive action and, and try to fold out some of those weaker flushes. Yeah. And this was a spot where I felt like uh, I I'm always banging the drum for being consistent with your sizing and, and ha playing your entire range at the time, or like, you know, having two consistent parts of your range. But one thing I've been challenging myself to do more is to really uh, be more exploitative to kind of get outside my, my cookie cutter mode and to really work with bet sizing in particular to, to suit the hand that I'm playing and not the range that I'm playing. So, um, and that's, and that's exploitable. Like people that people are going to catch on over time that I'm making certain sizes with certain kinds of hands and, and other sizes with other kinds of hands, but yeah, Chris. Well, and the other, I mean, cause the other thing I, I'm just, I'm thinking about this is like, we do have the Jack of hearts. So, so we, we block hearts a little bit um, at least good hearts and we're, we're really, I mean, I think we're, the hands we're targeting, I'm just trying to think about like what, what we're trying to accomplish here. Are we, we're trying to okay. get. So that's, that's it. Cause, cause so spoiler alert, we have, we have pocket jacks, including the Jack of hearts. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, no, I, I, I didn't read the post. I forgot. I just, I've just pulled it up. So I was looking at it. So I, I guess we hadn't given that away yet. But... No, but this no. is, you're going right there, Chris. That's what I wanted to say. Cause I wanted to say, so like here, so here, I'm in a spot with Jack with pocket jacks on a queen six four flop. And I can't, I can't really tell am I value betting or am I bluffing? Do I want folds or do I want calls? And I was, I was thinking like, okay, normally this is a board that I would come out there with like a 40 to 60% pot bet because I want to charge the draws. I want to represent the Queens and all that stuff. And then I was like, but in real, like in the real time, in the moment, I was like, okay, I have a pair of jacks. There's a queen high board out there. Like what's, what, what do I really want to do here? That's best for my hand right now at this time. So just with that in mind, Chris, please continue saying exactly what you were just saying about like how, how, how is our hand different from how we might play our range here? Like what are the factors that we're Well, I, I, with the jacks, I, I'm, I'm really wanting to try to target a value hand that's worse than mine, but I think I've got to go smaller. Uh, to do that so uh, I want to target all the pocket pairs below the jack that aren't a six and a four I want to target um, you know some some kinds of kind of gut shots things like they're not going to be that many in there but it depends what this opponent is like but you know I want to target some 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 worse hands that we can get some value from rather than trying to push out stronger value at this point. Yeah, that was my take. Uh, that was my thought. That was what I, I came to at the end of it was I decided I wanted to put a bet out there that could get called by worse, which is going to be some of those pocket pairs uh, that call the three bet, you know, sevens, eight, nines. Um, they're still there. Maybe those like a six hands that have one pair, you know, um, certainly the flush draws are going to continue. But I actually thought to myself, 
in this dynamic, when they've called a three bet, you know, for every flush draw hand, they've got three times as many flush draw hands that didn't make this flop. You know what I mean? Like for every suited heart combo, they've got a clubs, diamonds and spades, and they didn't make it. And they're not calling a lot of three bets with other hands that really hit this flop very well. The pocket pairs, like we say, they're threatened by the queen. So I ended up choosing a, a much smaller sizing because I kind of decided I'm just not going to even think about the flush draw hands in my opponent's range here because I, I felt like I, I'd do better off by just like losing to the flushes that come in. And uh, anyway, so what ended up happening was I ended up picking a really small sizing. I bet two big blinds into 18 and it felt kind of ludicrous at the time. Given what we've just decided, our opponent's calling range of the three bet, getting to the board with this texture. Um, if we did want to fold out just a small part of their range, what's the kind of sizing that we might think about in an 18 big blind pot? Like I, I would never actually advocate betting two big blinds because I feel like it doesn't have any fold equity, but what, what, what size do we think does get them to fold those like, nine ten of spades or nine ten of clubs or those you know king eight hands we don't want to see but that they don't feel like they have equity with like chris you were talking about having a smaller sizing in, in a similar frame frame yeah i mean i i think you could you know a little bigger than what you did but but not much i mean i would go um what is this pot it's 18 big blinds by the time 18. it's uh... 18 yeah so i'm i'm probably putting in five or six big blinds yeah i'd say six six would be my small bet in that in that scenario um yeah i think it sounds like because of the action and the fact that he did fold for two big blinds is that he was very inelastic yeah. So it didn't matter. It didn't matter what your bet size was there. He right. was going to fold. Now, if he had a different type of hand, um, let's say he had ace king of hearts. Well, he's not folding to that. Right. 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 Um, he's but he potent, but if he called a 12 big blind um, C bet, he'd be making a mistake. Right. Yes. So. Yeah, and I was trying to think, like, so what are the hands that the difference between, because at 18 big blinds, if you put in a four and a half big blind bet, that's about 25%. Um, so, like, four would be, like, around the minimum that I think most people would consider there in a, in a spot. So, I was trying to think, like, what portion of, the, of his range is going to be actually affected by the difference between, like, two and four or three and five big blinds or something like that. It did seem pretty small. Um, I think you're right, Rob. Like this, this player was just very low in their distribution. So we just got lucky with the sizing here, but um, so is that, is that the number then like a third, a quarter or something like that, that we can employ here instead? That's typically my small bet is somewhere between a quarter and a third. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I never bet half pot. That's right. We learned. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to make it half pot, at least go 51%. So they're like really making a mistake. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hear what uh, Jonathan Little has to say about this. And then we'll uh, come on, come on back. Ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead. What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? 
What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. Yeah, it's don't guess and don't stress. I've been saying don't sweat and don't stress, but that's just because I'm the only one sweating because I have to do all the audio cues. All right, there we go. So, yeah, so it was a really good insight. Like, it just helped me think about, I get so rigidly locked into my notions of, you know, being unexploitable and having this consistent sizing for everything and uh, this kind of challenge to get out of my comfort zone a bit and do more of this uh, exploitative sizing looking for spots like this, where I think what Chris said is key, where our opponent's range is really inelastic to the sizing. And three bet pots seem like that kind of a spot, right? Where anytime someone's range is very narrow, you can kind of draw up some boards where it just mathematically doesn't intersect very well and, and leverage that out. Yeah, you I, guys think have, yeah, I need to do a similar type of thing where, because I very much try to do things consistently to avoid being exploited. And I think that is an appropriate default reaction, but I need to look for opportunities to deviate and exploit uh, people where appropriate. I'm playing in a tough cash game with people that I'm gonna play with over and over again. You probably don't wanna do that as much you're playing in a tournament with people that you aren't going to be playing with a lot, then that you can exploit massively. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And I think, you know, we should always be thinking about the tension between those two. That should always be a mix of, you know, proper fundamentals and trying to be unexploitable yourself. But then, you know, <laughs> we talk a lot about like fancy play syndrome and like playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. But the fact is, like, if you look around and you're playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers, you might actually be in a checkers tournament. And if you're in a checkers tournament, playing chess is not a good strategy to win that tournament um, because you should play, just learn how to play checkers better and stop trying to play chess in a checkers tournament. Because I do this all the time. I like project this fancy, oh, well, they're going to be so balanced in this spot and I have to exploit that by getting it in here with such a reason. No, 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 no. You're trying to play chess in a checkers tournament. Just play checkers. And if you just play checkers better than your opponents, that's how you win checkers tournaments, not by, uh, not by playing chess. All right. I, mean, I guess we're going to leave it there. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it seems like a good spot to, to, to leave it at. All right. Well, um, I, I, as always, I'd like to thank the team here, uh, Rob, John, and Chris. Uh, I'd like to thank the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Website Amp, and all our listeners. See you again soon, Tang. Bye.